Kyle Sondland and Herbert Konings are founding partners for Security Token Group. All opinions expressed by them or guests on this podcast are solely their opinions and do not represent the views of Security Token Group or its subsidiaries. You should not take any opinion expressed on the show as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow any investment strategy. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Welcome back to episode 129 of the Security Token Show. I'm your host, Kyle Sondland, joined, as always, by my co-host, Herwig Konings, here in Miami, Florida, and we have a banger of an episode for you today. Obviously, kicking it off with all of the amazing things going on in the industry news and the secondary trading and the metaverse and everything else going on in the Security Token space, but we're also covering the fact that Wall Street is taking a bet on blockchain, tokenization, crypto, all of that fun stuff. We're going to dive into all of it later here in the show. But I first wanted to thank our sponsor this week, Brock's Equity. Brock's Equity is working in the oil and gas industry. They're based in Calgary, and they're doing their own security token. They're giving you exposure into oil, gas, electricity, Bitcoin mining, all these different things that are put together in the mining oil and gas industry. So this is this is where they're leveraging blockchain to optimize commodities and optimize how they can actually farm these resources as well as transfer and sell them internationally. So Brox is doing their Brox security token offering. You can check more about that in the link in the description or anywhere that you're listening to this podcast. Shout out to Brox. Thank you for being our sponsor this week. As always, our sponsors make the show possible. So thank you. Go check out Brox. And with that, let's get started and move right into the top five. The most important things happening in industry right now, starting off with number one, we've got ICE, the Intercontinental Exchange, one of the largest exchanges in the world, owner of the first exchange in the entire world, the New York Stock Exchange, has officially made a big, big move into security tokens. Specifically, they have invested a minority significant position, though, in T0, folks. That's a huge deal. T0 is one of the leading ATSs for security tokens here in the United States. And now one of the leading national exchanges has taken an ownership piece in the company. On top of that, they've got some of their own executives moving in there, specifically their new CEO. So that's a big, big deal for T0. That's a huge vote of legitimacy, confidence, and of course, They'll now be able to tap into the ICE network, which is one of the best in the entire industry. We know this has been coming for a while. Exciting to see the news is official. Number two, we've got Securitize. You know Securitize, one of the largest issuance platforms and brokers in the security token industry, and they are on a roll. They've now acquired a specific transfer agent called Pacific Stock Transfer, which catapults them into the top 10 for transfer agents in the entire US. Transfer agents obviously are the piece and the intermediary in a transfer of a stock or of any kind of security token moving around the world, you need to have somebody that's actually managing the underlying cap table and from exchange to exchange. So now Securitize, a big acquisition now. They've got 1.2 million accounts across their company. That's pretty crazy. Moving into number three, we've also got a new STO consortium that's formed, specifically between BC Group, uh, Archax, and Invest2X. And for those of you who don't know those companies, BC Group is in Hong Kong with one of the only licenses for crypto asset security trading. We've also got Archax, which was the first to receive their respective license to trade security tokens in the UK. And finally, we've got Invest2X out of the Singapore with also similar licensing. So we've got a cross 
jurisdictional consortium here. What that means is they're going to be working together to enable cross-border investments, which of course means focusing on interoperability standards to make sure that compliance and AML laws are followed in such. Consortiums are a great way for the industry to grow as we are still in this nascent stage. Number four, we've got the Fed. Now we've talked about the Fed many times, how they're exploring a central bank digital currency. They're exploring how a digital dollar might work. And the, now the Boston Fed has been working with MIT in order to explore this in more detail. And the newest headline comes from the fact that they've actually poached five different Circle employees to join the operation. Circle is the company, the private company behind USDC, one of the largest stable coins in the world, only behind Tether. And so now some of those employees are getting poached to go back to the public sector into the Federal Reserve. So this is fascinating to see how we're actually seeing a, again, a boomerang effect. Traditionally, people would be poached from the public sector, from government to join private companies. Now we're actually seeing it go the other way. Very, very interesting. In fact, they call it Project Hamilton, the digital dollar that they're researching. Pretty cool stuff. And moving into number five, we're also talking about the Fed. The very same has made another move, expanding the list of things that Fed employees cannot own. They recently announced a little while ago stocks, commodities, bonds, pretty much anything that you would, you know, even foreign currencies, not allowed to be owned. And now they've expanded the list to also say cryptocurrency. Hmm. So truly, they have a now non-biased approach as they work in the Fed. And it seems like crypto has officially made the uh, asset recognized list. This comes on the heels of multiple executives actually being forced to step down due to their public holdings that came out recently, both from Boston as well as I think Texas had a couple commissioners that were, you know, making some investments privately. So interesting stuff there. And that's the top five things you need to know happening right now. And let's get into the rest of the industry news with John Pittman. Thanks for the intro, Kyle Herwitt. Welcome to the industry news portion of the Security Token Show. My name is John Pittman, and I'm your host for this segment. So without further ado, let's get into the weeds of it. I know you heard the fellas talk about ICE buying a stake in T-Zero. Well, that's great news because ICE also owns the New York Stock Exchange. And as we talked about on the show before, T-Zero also has ownership in the Boston Stock Exchange. So with that said, there's even more good news surrounding T-Zero's huge month, and it's centered around T-Zero's ATS, or Alternative Trading Systems, and they're successfully launching a clearance and settlement functionality for securities transactions. I can imagine how happy they are over there because I remember them stating back in January that self-clearing was on their bucket list. So what this means is that by operationalizing self-clearing, it would allow T-Zero and its broker-dealer subsidiaries to independently onboard additional private securities at a faster pace. It also means the transaction settlement time will be accelerated, all the while improving the user experience when dealing with third-party platforms. The CEO, Alan Kaminsky, believes the increased velocity with onboarded new assets will increase liquidity for private capital markets, as well as give customers a greater variety of investment opportunities. Moving on, how can we go through a show without talking about NFTs? The short answer, we can't. They're huge right now, how big, as big as a house right now. I have two companies right here who are mixing NFTs with real estate equity. Let's go through them in order. The first comes from blockchain startup Proppy, who sold the first NFT house here in the home state of Florida. They did it auction style, grabbing the interest of over 1,500 bidders. The second comes from real estate startup named Vesta Equity, who are in the process of rolling out a service that allows homeowners to part with as little as just a fraction of their equity via an NFT sale. 
So Best Equities claim is to be the first peer-to-peer exchange that allows homeowners to leverage and sell just a slice of equity. They also state that the NFTs do not represent residential rights as NFT owners will not be actually living there. For those wondering, yes, they are registering the fractionalized NFTs with the SEC, which may seem like an oxymoron because when you normally think of an NFT, you think of something that's non-fungible or basically an entity where only one version of itself exists. Although, if you want to use the term fractionalized NFT, then a correct case will look something like this. You would take the entire equity of the house, then divide the entire property up into separate individual segments or squares, and then assign an individual and unique NFT to each square, kind of how the love of this in the air Banksy painting did with their NFT sale. But still, in this case, you just have multiple NFTs, not a fractionalized single NFT. So hopefully that explanation explains the difference between what Best Equity here is doing with its fractionalized real estate NFTs versus what the Florida NFT house is doing with selling the entire house as an NFT. Another big difference is the Florida House packages property rights into an LSC, which in turn was the owner of the minted NFC. Those property rights in turn signify ownership of the house on the blockchain, which cuts down the amount of time it takes to close. What Vesta Equity is doing with the fractionalized NFTs necessarily isn't illegal, but I would say that it could be misleading nomenclature as leveraging the popularity of the NFT hype. Regardless, it's fun news and it's great progress in the blockchain and real estate industry. And here's Security Token Market. We celebrate all four momentum. So some more great news that I got up my sleeve is that it's sounding like the stock exchange of Thailand, or the SET, is getting ready to launch a digital asset exchange. The president of the SET explained in an interview with Bloomberg that they expect the regulator, Thai's version of the SEC, to give approval very soon. And they're hoping to start operation probably in the second or third quarter of this year. So Thailand's SEC is responsible for licensing entities such as crypto exchanges, as well as others who might want to offer crypto-related services. The president also stated that they intend to concentrate on investment tokens and utility tokens. Thailand also recently relaxed its tax rules on crypto by getting rid of the 15% tax. But the central bank, the SEC, and the finance ministry announced in January that they will regulate crypto as a means of payment. So I'm sure you've heard of the protests in Canada. What happened is that protesters consequently ended up having their flow of funds interrupted by their country looking to deter demonstrations. In response, the protesters ended up receiving crypto from supporters around the country and the world. Well, it looks like other citizens across the globe who are also having trouble with banking mechanisms in their own countries are also looking to lean on the benefits of crypto to provide themselves access to funds. Over in the Middle East, after the Taliban took full control of Afghanistan in August last year, many financial transfer services ceased operations in the country. For example, Western Union and SWIFT. This, unfortunately, left many Afghans who are used to receiving money from friends and family abroad without a source of income. So with that said, the only way some Afghans are now able to receive money from outside the country is by using cryptocurrency transfers. According to Chain Analysis, Afghan ranked 20th among 154 countries when it comes to crypto adoption. This is significant. There are crypto dealers who facilitate these transfers via conversions between Tether and also local fiat currencies. Hopefully, the Taliban-run government does not deem crypto to be illegal because right now, the only way some of these families are surviving is through the money that they are able to receive via the blockchain. That's it for me, the Token Advisors. Pass it on to Meg for your STO update, and I will catch you tokenizers next week on the other side of the blockchain. Welcome back to STO Updates. Let's rock and roll into some updates. But before that, here's your quick reminder that I'm now releasing my show, Spilling the NFT, every single Tuesday. So be sure to check that out tomorrow, Tuesday, March 1st. 
We're doing a two-part episode. In the first part, we talk all about NFTs. And in part two, we mint an NFT at sea on our meta yacht. Okay, into the STOs. First up, we have HODL. This is a unique project for two reasons. The first being that Rob Weiss is set to executive produce and direct multiple episodes of Hold On For Dear Life. This is the first ever scripted television series based on modern cryptocurrency culture. The second catch to this show is that it is the first show ever to tokenize portions of its net profits. Its ERC-20 security token called the FDL token standing for For Dear Life is now available on Securitize's online marketplace. This is built on Ethereum using underlying smart contracts, and the FDL token allows owners to receive pro rata net profits from the series directly into their digital wallets. The series itself is based on following a young tech founder, Mel, as she launches a non-fungible token named after her best friend, Avir, who disappeared. She has a squad of misfit friends, and Mel must overcome enemies and centralized powers on a mind-blowing, inspiring journey all while teaching people about the world of cryptocurrency. Hold On for Dear Life is also executive produced by Beacon Pictures' Mark Pinnell, Satoshi Nokomoto Productions, and The Map Group. This show is created by the pseudo-anonymous crypto insider Toshi, who wrote multiple episodes. In an almost watch-to-earn effort, HODL is the first series using a blockchain-based platform and decentralized app that allows users to earn NFTs, tokens, and other rewards for simply watching their favorite TV shows. I mean, I've never seen that before. Season one of the series NFTs are also being minted. These NFTs will be based upon original content, art, proprietary content, and IP from the show, such as characters, storylines, outtakes, scores, and original art. Previously, Weiss was nominated for three Emmy Awards and for his work on HBO's Entourage. He's more recently known for writing, directing, and producing Ballers starring Dwayne Wade, Dave John Washington, and so this will surely be a hit. Our second update comes from La Boulangerie. La Boulangerie is a new food and beverage venture setting up a French bakery in Dubai. Its goal is to bring quality and standards currently unseen in Dubai and services that will revolutionize the food delivery industry. La Boulangerie is seeking to raise up to 2.5 million through a private and public offering of the La Boulangerie security token, also called Baker. Head over to stoker.io for more updates on this. And last, we have updates from a stablecoin high yield fund called the Aquarius Fund. This is an open-ended independent alternative investment fund that is designed to enable institutional and sophisticated investors to earn high yield from digital assets built on Algorand. Right now, to access yields from crypto markets, you currently have to take many steps. This fund simplifies the process by taking over the complex task of negotiating with each entity separately and allowing investors to simply subscribe the funds and access the stablecoin yield market. The fund lends out USDT stablecoin and provides liquidity to top institutional grade digital asset borrowers in return for yield. This fund capitalizes on the imbalance between borrowing and lending rates in the $100 billion stablecoin market, where the demand to borrow stablecoins like USDT 
outweigh the supply of stable coins and investors. They can take advantage of this imbalance to generate positive returns. Investors will be able to hold the funds in a tokenized form in their whitelisted blockchain wallets. In addition, investors will be able to peer-to-peer -peer trade their funds subject to whitelisting on Stoker. That is all for today, but of course, I'll be back here next Monday with more STO updates. Hello and happy Monday. The market is a touch higher this week, opening at $3.846 billion. And while most individual names closed lower last week, one name kept us in positive territory, T0. But why? They made a massive announcement that the chief strategic officer of the New York Stock Exchange parent company, ICE, will become T0 CEO. Investors went into a frenzy. Operating under an interim CEO for the better part of a year, David Goode is going to provide experience and guidance desperately needed by the growing ATS. And even more, ICE is going to take reportedly a significant minority shareholder stake in T0. That's huge. Are they making a move towards tokenized stocks? It's definitely what it looks like. And investors are loving it. The TZROP token, which represents T0's revenue sharing model, is up over 35% in one week. But there's even more good news. The average volume for T0 is typically anywhere from $20,000 to $35,000. Since this announcement, it has traded at over a 10x multiple to that figure and traded over $650,000 on February 24th. This is an absolutely amazing sign for the market and security token investors alike. Catalysts are finally pushing tokens higher on massive volume, and we're finally starting to see some market divergence from sector leaders. These are great signs for a market like security tokens, and the influence that David Goon is going to have is going to be absolutely immense. We are entering very exciting times for the security tokens, and we'll be here for it all. Have an amazing rest of your week, and I'll see you next Monday. Wakey, wakey. Welcome to Inside the Metaverse with your host, Eve Van Kong. Marijuana in the metaverse. Two cannabis companies got together to sell real cannabis products in the metaverse. Saucy Farms and Extracts sell luxury cannabis products, but their newest store is located in Crypto Voxels metaverse. And service is only available in areas that is legal, of course. They're shaking up what we think e-commerce is, and as the first marijuana dispensary in the metaverse, they are doing it right. Next, Manchester City is building the world's first football stadium in the metaverse with ideas to meet players in the metaverse and to give fans access never thought before from the comfort of their own homes. I'm excited to see how this project develops. Next up, Meta's new AI concept will help you create VR worlds by just describing what you want, and it's exactly what you think. I can't make it up, a virtual robot that builds whatever you say by the sound of your voice. So, can I get a hot tub? Let's go! K-pop, one of the popular and growing music trends today, is now partnering with Animoca Brands to build K-pop musical Metaverse. Anycube will leverage Cube's intellectual property rights of popular K-pop acts and will issue NFTs and ecosystem tokens. That was Inside the Metaverse with your host, Eve Vanko. Thanks, Eve. Fantastic segment on the Metaverse. And moving into our companies of the week, this is our favorite segment where Herwig and I get to pick two companies making the biggest moves in the industry. And I gotta put it over to you, Herwig. Episode 129, who is your company of the week? Well, it's one of the most frequent winners on the show, I gotta say. We obviously have a great relationship with them, but I always only give it when it's due. 
Uh, and that's going to Securitize this week. Securitize acquired the Pacific Stock Transfer Agent, uh, as you said earlier in the show, catapulting them to the top 10 largest transfer agents in the United States. Why did I pick them? For many different reasons. One, they're doing a great tactic of what I see as great adoption for security tokens by simply buying the old guard by forcing them to go ahead and adopt the new rails because you now own them. So that's a fantastic move by Securitize. And as a result, they've managed to more than double their potential user base. And they now have, I think, way more than triple or even more different potential businesses that are now leveraging their blockchain technology or can soon be leveraging their blockchain technology uh, for their transfer agent services. So that's a great, great way, again, to increase adoption and get companies familiar with this technology all of a sudden, thousands, I think, businesses now with this transfer agent suddenly will be able to go ahead and adopt the new rails and enable uh, over-the-counter transfers as well as potentially even easily list on the securitized marketplace, also meaning that we could potentially see tons more new businesses get listed, which is, of course, an awesome thing for the industry. I think that's a fantastic choice. If you don't know what a transfer agent is, read the article on Securitize's site announcing this acquisition. There's a couple really interesting tidbits in there. Transfer agents may be one of the more overlooked business pieces that are really crucial in this process. You see some of the inefficiencies in the BuzzFeed SPAC and some of these other examples. Pacific Transfer been in business for, I think, 37 years? 38. 38 years. So fantastic to see the digital world taking it by storm. And with that, Kyle, I'm dying to know, who do you have this week? Well, you covered it in the top five. And for me, it's Ice Ice Baby. We got the Intercontinental Exchange that's going to be investing in T0. This comes on the heels of the fact that they've invested in other companies as well in the past. And they're excited to get into the blockchain space. We They are a $71 billion public company. They have 12 exchanges that they own, including wow. the New York Stock Exchange. And so this is an undisclosed investment around how much they actually were able to participate in this. But now T-Zero's got big profile backers. Pelion Venture Partners injected a big piece of capital in them. They obviously have overstocked the public company that still owns shares in T-Zero. Now they've got ICE and New York Stock Exchange behind them as well. So T-Zero's got some pretty serious names behind them. And because of that, shout out to ICE for getting involved in the tokenization space. A huge vote of legit legitimacy, Kyle. That is absolutely extraordinary. This is just proof that security tokens are here and the old guard believes this is indeed the future. And so with that, I think we can get into our main topic. So now for our main topic of episode 129 of the Security Token Show, we're talking about Wall Street, which is officially betting on tokenization, Kyle. I think that's pretty big news given the fact that we've been doing this show for almost three years now, and we very everly get to talk about the fact that Wall Street itself, the major old guard, if you will, is actually taking advantage of this technology proof that the industry is headed towards tokenization, and we can officially call it, it is happening. Happening, folks. Yeah, no, let's take a look at the timeline, right? If we take a couple steps back. When the security token space first came out, this is when we were working in the space 2017, 2018, crypto was at an all-time high, everyone's freaking out, and it still felt like this was a total offshoot. I think that for a long time, it took everyone in the industry a while to figure out the regulations and where all these pieces fit in, how blockchain would actually transform capital markets. But the first move, in my opinion, that really drove some more institutional Wall Street spotlight was overstock. 
Overstock not only was a, a big owner of T0 and a proponent of cryptocurrency transactions, but they issued a digital dividend to public shareholders that was sold as a security token. So if you owned 10 shares of the public stock, you got one extra share that was a security token only able to trade on T0. And for the first time, this forced institutions, large shareholders, and just traditional people to actually accept what a security token was and understand how the industry worked. And from there, we've seen cascading effects of additional adoption happening moving forward. You see INX having their, their you know, publicly registered offering, their IPO, as they call it, and many other things coming in. But that was kind of the first movements in this industry. Now we certainly see it in progressing much more. Indeed, I think that was just sort of the, you know, almost new guard, if you will, scratching at the surface, trying to say, look, we don't like what's going on here. Overstock right. said, we see a better way for our securities to get settled and for, our to, for us to interact with our shareholders and uh, to give it to Dr. Patrick Bernie. He had that vision way back then. Uh, and now we're actually starting to see the old guard. We're talking about mm. the Morgan Stanleys, the Goldman Sachs, the Nasdaqs, and as we just talked about in this episode, ICE, one of the biggest exchange companies in the world, is officially moving forward into tokenization. And so I think you're right. You know, we have to recognize that a, a few years ago, the, the reality was is this technology was brand new, it was unproven, and the crypto markets were very excited about everything else that was going on. There was a moment in the sun, let's call it, where security tokens and the concept of tokenizing assets got everyone very excited, but the problem was the infrastructure wasn't built back then. You can't just launch a cryptocurrency exchange and suddenly start getting users and listing tokens. You need to be regulated, you need to operate and have licenses, and you need to have an entire compliance department and staff in order to support the underlying technology that actually does enable all of this trading in the first place. So that was a pretty big deal because, of course, as security tokens fizzled out, they were kind of, you know, cast aside, if you will. Except for us, we were, of course, you know, have never wavered. No, no, we have not. <laughs> and now we believe it's coming into fruition because, as we see, we've seen the ICE invest in T0. We've seen Morgan Stanley invest in Securitize. We know that ICE also invested into Tokeny, and we know that NASDAQ, Goldman Sachs, and even JPM, they've all played around with blockchain as well as are looking at token organization services. So even though, you know, they're kind of like sleeping giants, they are certainly not asleep at the wheel, if you will. I think there were a couple key reasons that have really helped spurn the development of the blockchain for capital markets movement. Certainly, we've talked about it here on the show before, but Wall Street bets and the entire movement around GameStop, AMC, you know, BlackBerry, all of these crazy shorted stocks that did seem to have some really I don't want to say sketchy, but some complicated market mechanics that were going on around, you know, outstanding short positions being higher than the total outstanding shares and potentially some, some you know, movements in those, those clearing and settlement firms that were causing some issues in the public markets that really started to awaken people to this idea that the traditional plumbing that all of our markets are built on from the 80s and the 70s, that's 40, 50 years ago now, people. That's a long time. <laughs> like, it's not built for the high-frequency trading, the digital 
trading movement that we have now, that, that all of this, this fractional you know, seconds of investing between these, these assets, as well as international trading, which is much more accessible today than it ever was back then. It's, it's really started to show some of the cracks in the system, and not to mention the T plus two settlement time, having multiple days of settlement has really caused some serious issues in the traditional public markets because of the fact that things move so quickly. And then you marry that with securities law that's even 80 or years or, or older, <laughs> and you've got a, a heck of a problem. You might think that, indeed, security tokens would be dead on arrival. But no. In fact, now, through ICE's investment in T0, they also have exposure to the BSTX, the Boston Security Token Exchange, which also was recently greenlit by the SEC, acknowledging that they may be able to leverage T plus one or even T0 settlement time for now a national exchange, the first of its kind, as far as we know, uh, really around the world that has been approved by regulators endorsing this blockchain technology. And hopefully very soon, we're gonna see them start to list assets, but they still need to go through some more kinks. But the point is, and that's kind of what we're, we're saying here, is this doesn't move overnight. All of this takes time. They wanna see the technology working. They wanna see case studies be performed. They wanna see trials uh, be performed by big banks and such. But make no mistake, investments are happening. The banks are actively participating in this space. And I think uh, almost over two years ago now, we recognized that almost 50 different banks of the top 100 largest banks in the world were somehow leveraging blockchain technology in some kind of trial or some kind of use case. I bet that number is even bigger now, Kyle. Yeah, no, unequivocally, right? As we've seen how things have changed since the pandemic and what has really caused the international transfer of assets in a non-personal way. Now we're all digital. Everyone's talking internationally. Digitally, we need to have a digital accountability system as well. So I'm sure, and as we've even seen from just the Fed adopting CBDCs and, and exploring all these different pieces, this is something we would have never expected even just a couple of years ago. And now we see it happening in a very public way, which the Fed is poaching literal private central bank digital uh, stablecoin issuers as poaching their employees to join the project. So we've seen a lot of that as well as not only do you have the old guard from an institutional perspective, but you have the regulators themselves that are looking to embrace some of these things. We've seen, as we said, the Fed come out and say that they're exploring central bank digital currency projects. We've seen Gary Gensler say that blockchain and cryptocurrencies are not necessarily, you know, illegal, they just need to follow securities laws, right? Like, it's not that we can't have them, it's not that they shouldn't exist, it's that they need to follow securities laws. As long as we do that, we can find ways to make it work. You've also seen other regulators around the world embracing digital securities and what that could mean for the markets and seeing the regulatory approval and movement there, even in the, the SEC coming out and giving ATS regulations around custody of digital securities. There's been a lot of examples of regulators actually being relatively progressive in a way that we haven't seen in years past. And without the regulators being progressive, Wall Street won't even take a look. So that's a big combination of events that's happening here. We might see a lot of what's happened in previous history as Wall Street starts to get more of its arms and roots into the various startups and the various security token ecosystem. We might even start to see some roll-ups and some acquisitions in the future. But you heard it here first, folks. Wall Street is paying attention to security tokens. They are absolutely investing in it, and they will be using it, not tomorrow, but very, very soon in the next few years. So with that, Kyle, any parting thoughts? 
Well, I think you got to go to newsletter.stomarket.com because there you're going to find our What's Dripping newsletter, which is the best place to get more information around what's going on oh, yeah. in the industry. We've got another newsletter that we just launched through Security Token Advisors. You can also check if you go to the link in the description or link in bio, you can find out more information about that. That's a little bit more institutional information around what's going on in the space. And of course, you can follow us anywhere on social media to get more information. Herwig and I are always available if you want to reach out on LinkedIn or Twitter but you can also follow STO Market to get all of the updates on everything going on. And of course, go to stomarket.com to find out information about which tokens are trading and how they're performing. We're everywhere. Come connect with us. We're also on Discord. Come join the community. We've got lots of cool stuff going on. And with that, that's episode 129. Hope to catch you next Monday. Happy tokenizing. Yeah.